0: Okay. To the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from tolovehonorandvacuum.com and we like to talk about how to make marriage a passionate adventure, not just a giant to-do list. And most of all, we like to rip off all of the extras and all of the garbage that has gone into our marriage messages and figure out how to make them Jesus-centered. And I am here with my husband, Keith. Hey, everyone. For our Start Your Engines edition of our podcast, the last Thursday of every month, we like to make this one specially going out to the guys out there who are listening. Thank you to our male listeners. Yep. Our women listeners are of course more than welcome to listen because this is going to be an amazing podcast. We are going to demolish a huge sacred cow in the evangelical world, which is that lust is not every man's battle. I'm so excited. As you know, The Great Sex Rescue, our new book, is coming out March 2nd. And in that book, we surveyed 20,000 women and we looked at how different evangelical teachings affected women's marital and sexual satisfaction. And one of the messages that we looked at was all men struggle with lust is every man's battle. And we found that as you might expect that message hurt women's orgasm rates, it hurt their marital satisfaction and it just made everything worse. And that's not really surprising. I mean, if I were to tell you, honey, like, you know what, babe? What's that? Today, <laughs> I really struggled not to have an affair. Yeah. I struggled and it was really, really difficult. And I would like you to read a book called Every Lustful Woman's Struggle, which talks so that you can understand my struggle of how much whenever I'm out, I'm thinking about that hot guy, Barry, and how I just want him i just do and i don't want to want him but i just do but then i come home and i realize no i'm going to honor you and i'm going to settle for you
1: Mm -hmm.
0: does that make you feel really loved and cherished (laughs) (laughs) i mean like that's that's problematic
1: i I think i think it's different for men and women too because because uh especially if you're the higher libido spouse Mm -hmm. having your spouse be revved up is always a positive, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, hearing constantly that your spouse is struggling to love only you, yep. that's not a positive message. No.
0: And that's the message that we've given both men and women. And if you want to see how that message affected women. We have a special bonus. If you have pre-ordered the book, just send an email and I will have a link in the podcast description that goes along with this podcast and the post that goes along with this podcast. You can email your receipt and we are going to send you some of our quick stats, a preview of our stats on the lust message, as well as a bunch of other harmful messages. We're going to send you our 12 point rubric for healthy sexuality and a scorecard for how all the best evangelical bestsellers on marriage and sex scored on that. So it's really cool. And you can see that, but we actually, actually don't want to talk about the stats for the great sex rescue today because since it's the guys podcast we want to talk about how the lust message affects men and so our co-author Joanna Sawatsky who lives in the great white north is going to join us right now and joining us from the Canadian Arctic is Joanna Sawatsky my wonderful co-author for the great sex rescue hello Joanna
2: hi there Keith and Sheila good to see you
0: (laughs) you too now we have you on to share. We'll be talking about the great sex rescue stats in a minute, but what we really want to mm-hmm. share is some of our fun stats from our our recent guys survey of three thousand that we are doing for the Good Guys Guide to Great Sex, which Keith and I are writing right now. Yep, it's due March first. <laughs> yep, I'm not panicking
1: she's panicking i'm panicking
0: (laughs) just just, (laughs) trying to keep you calm yes but we we did this survey and we were specifically looking one of the things we're specifically looking for was lust and we found something really interesting and we weren't originally going to tell you all about this until the good guys guide to great sex came out but it was so interesting that we really want to share it with you now because it matters so joanna i know this is hard to explain all of these stats easily but can you kind of sum up or give us a picture of what it is that we were looking
2: that? Essentially what we were trying to see is are there men who say they have a horrible struggle with lust who don't essentially (laughs) or for whom if if we've told men all the time that you're going to have a struggle with lust lust is going to be this huge mountain that you're going to have to try it's going to be like your sanctification is pretty much going to be getting over your sexual appetite like that's pretty much what sanctification is for men. Right. So If we've been telling that to men for years and years and years and years and years, which the church more or less has been, are we going to be able to see that in the numbers? Is there going to be a group of men who have a much higher perceived lust struggle than we can actually find evidence for? And lo and behold, yes. (laughs) Um, So essentially uh, 75% of men overall would say that they have a, a personal lust struggle. Okay, so the that, the that highest sounds, number okay, for we, so maybe so every man's battles right then. You know, that's pretty much every man. Yeah, there's you know, plus or minus. 20, there's still 25%. Like yeah. that's still a pretty big group that say, "Yeah, I'm good." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and
1: that's but, important.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, even if if that was all that we found honestly, I would still say that was really important because it's not every guy. Then we're saying, "How can we help another 50% of men be in that group with the 25%?" Right? Mm-hmm. Can we make it 75-25 the other way? Mm-hmm. That still isn't every man not even close but again that's not what we found because the story doesn't end there we then started asking men a bunch of different questions about is lust a problem for you in this area is lust a problem for you in that area how about over here the highest that we could get for any of the different um, scenarios we gave them whatever the highest we could give was about 40 42 percent maximum
0: so 42 percent of guys so what what do they struggle with
2: those guys would say that they struggle with having images of women that they've seen in the past either in person or in pornography showing up in their minds when they're alone.
1: So this is the the mental rolodex we hear about. Is yes. that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, okay.
2: precisely. That is actually what it is called in the dataset. The the variable name is mental rolodex. <laughs> right, because that's what Shanti Feldman
0: called it in her book for women only. And then what we did and and I got I got to take a pause here and I got to just say if you were a guy who took our survey we are really sorry because then what we did for all of our lust questions we had we presented four different scenarios. We had you're talking to a really gorgeous woman, you know, how awkward do you feel are you able to talk to her without lusting? You're with a waitress in a restaurant with a low cut top. There's a 14 year old dressed really provocatively at church. There's a young mom leaning over to get her toddler out of the car seat in the grocery store, and you see her behind. And then we got we we offered options that were really disgusting. Like what were some well, of the ones we said? It was a said? whole
1: spectrum of things. Yeah. Starting from like yeah. I don't feel anything at all, all the way down to like really debauched, lustful kind of. Yeah, stuff. like
0: I'm masturbating in the car. I'm masturbating in the in the restaurant.
1: Yeah,
2: bathroom
0: yeah and we actually had to be
2: we had to be careful when we wrote the survey questions because we didn't want to trigger mandatory reporting because some of this stuff is actually erring on the side of criminally wrong right um but there are things that are actually criminally problematic i think is is what i can easily say in the christian books that are out there So it was actually kind of a struggle to to develop the survey questions. Because what we tried to do was present scenarios that were actually
0: in every man's battle that were presented as normal. (laughs) Like it was presented like as normal that you're masturbating in a car and and like, no, that's not normal. So we were trying to say, okay, is this actually normal? And how many guys actually chose the masturbating thing?
1: Well, so first of all, guys, if um, you did this stat, if you did this survey for us and you read that and you thought, what is wrong with the people <laughs> asking these questions?" We didn't want to ask those questions either. No. But the fact is that mm-hmm. Christian literature, like published Christian literature is saying mm-hmm. that this is what every man's battle is. And so if we had to, if we were going to test, is this what men really struggle with? We need to ask men, do you struggle with this? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so, so mm-hmm. Joanna, tell us, do men actually struggle with this? Well,
2: and I also want to say like, this isn't, we didn't find like the fringe book that like you should have chucked from the 1940s in the church library. Like we were taking the best sellers, that, which is remarkable. When we ask men, do you actually go masturbate in the bathroom when you see a really hot waitress? To Almost Over 3,000 of them said no. We had one guy say that he would masturbate in the bathroom with the waitress. And honestly, Becca and I are pretty convinced it was a misclick because those happen in surveys. Um, We only got one. And then he didn't say he would masturbate in the car with the young mom. It was just with the waitress. And maybe that, that is a true thing, that it's only with um, a woman who you know, you're not seeing her in her role as mother mm-hmm. that I could see that happening but I think that it's equally likely if not more likely that he just hit the wrong button so essentially we have very little or no we certainly have no evidence that all men struggle with masturbating when they see pretty women yeah masturbating um, in public is and not a thing absolutely. in
0: general in the evangelical world no matter what books yeah. like every man's battle says so way to go evangelical world thank you for not masturbating in public that much okay so <laughs> what, what were the rest what were the rest of the findings
2: okay so then if we look at men who have trouble conversing with a a woman who's really attractive. About 15% of men say they would have trouble not just conversing with her, but conversing with her because they're worried about lusting after her. Mm -hmm. Um, 11% would actively do anything that we would say objectifying the waitress. Obviously, you know, N of one um, who said that he would masturbate, but there were other options in that uh, scenario that we would say, yeah, that's that's objectification. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's only about 11%.
0: Okay, so 75 Um, say they have a lust problem, roughly 40 have mm -hmm. a mental Rolodex, like 14 or something can't talk to a beautiful woman, and 11
1: objectify objectify
0: the waitress. waitress. So what's going on with that big 35% There, (laughs) you know, and a lot, there's a lot of overlap, right? Like obviously the people who have the mental Rolodex are more likely to do all those other things too. So there's a lot of guys in that group who don't say yes to any of the options. So we gave them a ton of chances to lust and
2: they said no. We also, I don't have porn in there right now. And I, I should definitely add that when we're going to publish it in a book and we'll do that. I have to de- do some d- defining of how I'm going to look at porn use to, to actually run that. These are very preliminary stats. But overall, I think we found about 40% of men actually have a porn problem. So again, that's about the same number as we're seeing.
0: As the mental Rolodex, yeah.
2: Uh, the mental Rolodex, yeah. So
0: Now, but then a lot if of overlap, they believe the problem. every man's battle message, does, that changes the
2: numbers. It does. Yeah. Then instead of having seventy-five percent of men say that they have a personal struggle with lust, it goes up to about eighty-three percent for men who agree that lust is every man's battle.
0: And all the and other almost fifty percent as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but if exactly. they don't believe it,
2: then it's fifty-seven percent who say that they have a personal lust struggle.
0: Right. And of course, we don't know of the chicken and the egg, right? Like okay. people who lust might be more likely to say- They, they believe, believe the message
1: because it's their yeah. personal experience. Yeah.
0: Right? And then you also divided it by people who watch porn and people who don't. By guys mm-hmm. who have yeah. struggled and then, with porn, I think, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I said if they'd struggled with porn. So if, if you, because then you at least, if you've had a, like a legitimate porn problem, even if it was way back when you were 16, you mm-hmm. still have evidence that lust is an area of sin in your life at least at one point in your story, right? So then it may make more sense to be a a bit more on guard um, as opposed to somebody who's, you know, it's never really been an issue. And then when we looked there, if they had had a porn problem, all those numbers were higher. If they had not had a porn problem, they were way lower. Um, It it was really marked in the men who don't agree with every man's battle and have never had a porn problem. Mm -hmm. Those numbers were like, basement for, especially for objectifying women or for having trouble conversing with women was by far the lowest number of any of the groups that I looked at. So essentially our goal is to help young men end up in that group who Mm -hmm. think that lust is not inevitable and who have never had a, you know, a real porn issue. Mm -hmm. Most, probably all or almost all guys are going to see porn at some point, but there's a big difference between even an intermittent binge and yeah. having a, a a true huge porn problem. Right. So,
0: so regardless of how you slice and dice the numbers and people who are watching this on YouTube, you're going to get to see all the pretty charts that Katie's going to put on and other others of you just got to kind of remember these numbers, but here's the big numbers to remember. Okay. Roughly 75% of guys say they struggle with lust. But when, but when given the chance to choose all kinds of different lust scenarios, only around 40% do. So mm-hmm. that's 35% of guys who say they struggle with lust who don't have any evidence that we can see. And we asked all kinds
2: yep. of questions about yep. this. One of my questions is, is, are we priming the pump? Are we, by saying to men, all men are going to lust? Do we make it easier for men to give themselves an excuse? Mm-hmm. Is it easier to have, especially because something like a mental Rolodex, That's often unwanted, but if you believe that it's inevitable, you're more likely to experience it because Mm -hmm. it's a psychological phenomenon. I think that that very well may be the case. And so if we're telling guys, hey, that's a lot of guys have this, but lots don't. It doesn't have to be your story. And here's how how we can help you to avoid lust being a, a constant battle for you. I think that we'd see better numbers across mm-hmm. the board.
0: And then also with that 35%, my question is what's really going on with them? So Keith and I are gonna have a conversation about that, but Joanna, thank you for sharing those stats with us. And how cold Absolutely is it up there? to be here. How cold is it up there right now? It's
2: actually, we have had an incredibly warm winter here. It's very weird and kind of twilight zoney and it makes me think way too much about my carbon footprint. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <laughs> It's been about it's about zero degrees Fahrenheit here today or minus 20 Celsius, mm-hmm. which, you know, is definitely cold, but very manageable um, as far as temperatures go. Right.
0: We'll we'll have Katie put a map up and do a little arrow for where you're where you're living right now. So it's kind of funny. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. We'll talk. Yeah, to you we can wave to we're about 400 miles from Greenland. OK. I like to to so, yes, Bye. So we're over to the Danes over there. Bye.
3: All right, let's talk that
0: 35%. Sure. So I've been on kind of a mission for a couple of years now. I started by saying that noticing is not lusting. And I think we misunderstand fundamentally what lust is. And then a lot of guys think they're lusting when they're not. Yeah noticing a woman is beautiful is not lasting. We talked about this in a bunch of podcasts last year, and I don't want to repeat all of that again, but I do want to say that I think a lot of this is just simply guys are sexually attracted to women.
1: (laughs) And they think that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means you're a guy. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like, Like, yeah. Like if you see that a woman is really beautiful and you notice her, that does not mean you've lost it, and yet guys, guys think that that, and and this is how books often portray it. Like it's the worst possible scenario, you know. In every man's battle, they talk about seeing her. Glistening flesh and her ample bosom as she jogs, and it's it's really that's kind of pornographic. Yeah, actually. and it's really disturbing. But it's like once you see this, your mind's going to go here, and then this is going to happen, and then you're going to end up masturbating in a car. <laughs> and it's like and like like it's like it's just all this one big walking sidewalk on an airport that you can't get off of. Yes, it doesn't work that way.
1: And we talked about it before on the podcast that it's that it's portrayed as a slippery slope. Like yeah, like there's a spectrum of like I don't even notice she's in the room. Down to, you know, these kind of other extreme things we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is that that's not what lust is. Lust is not about that. It's about how your heart is toward this woman. Mm-hmm. In my mind, anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and are you actually imagining things? Well, as, yeah. soon as, as soon as your mind starts to go from she's pretty to I wonder if. Or mm-hmm. I wonder what, like, what does she look like like this? What would she do here? I wonder if then, then you're getting into the realm yeah. of something's wrong, but you know, if you're walking by and a really beautiful woman walks by and you go, oh, wow. And you look at, and people are gonna get mad at me for saying this, but. You know, if you look for just a second because she's beautiful, like I look for just a second at beautiful women, yeah. you know, <laughs> like we all respond to something beautiful. And if you look and then look back and go on with your day and never think twice about it, yeah. like if it's just that you notice she's beautiful and then it, it just doesn't affect the rest of your day, that was not lust. I think guys really need to hear that. Yeah. And women need to hear that too because I think women who read these books that hear that all men lust, it just makes us paranoid.
1: Well, and I think the thing too is that if you tell guys you are going to lust, a guy who might not have done that in the first place, now you've primed him. Like Joanne was talking about priming the pump. Like yeah. he, you've put in his head, hey, don't lust. So now he's going to be like, am I lusting? Am I lusting? And mm-hmm. And he's going to naturally his brain's gonna go that way and, and mm-hmm. we don't wanna be doing that. We don't want to be laying burdens on guys, you know, who would naturally just see this beautiful woman go oh, she's pretty and move on with their day and not think a second thought. Yeah.
0: Like obviously like if you stare at someone, that's wrong and super creepy and will yeah. make women feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, you know, you don't want to do that, but if you just happen to notice she's beautiful that's just not lusting. And I'm actually really glad we found this. I was really curious and that's why in this survey, we tried to give so many different scenarios where they could possibly lust and just say, okay guys, you know, if they're not watching porn, if they don't have a mental Rolodex, if they don't lust after the waitress, if they don't lust after the mom in the car, if they can talk to beautiful women without it bothering them, like, you don't have a lust problem. I
1: think that's the important thing because I think most Christian guys are decent guys.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that the message out there is even the best Christian man is still a seething pot of lust (laughs) deep down beneath it. And one little scratch off the surface is going to erupt in this great big, you know, that's what we sort of make it sound like. And you know, Women, like, you don't need to be terrified of all Christian men. Like, not all Christian men are like that. Now, that's not to shame people who do struggle. I mean, people do struggle with lust. People do struggle with greed. People do struggle with all kinds of sins. And it's not to shame them because, you know, we we are all fallen human beings. We do have our struggles. And we want to come alongside those men Mm -hmm. and help them and support them. Mm -hmm. But to make it sound like it's a universal problem that all men have... I think it makes the problem worse.
0: Yeah, because if it's a universal problem that all men have, then you can't ever defeat it. But if you're struggling with lust, well, we all struggle with some things, but just know that it isn't a universal problem, so that means that you can defeat it. (laughs) You know, lust is not some special category of sin that all men are going to struggle with. It just isn't. So the fact that all of these books were written is highly problematic. And what I also find... I
1: think think the reason guys believe this message is because, you know, they say, all men lust. And then a guy sees a pretty girl and he goes, oh, and he feels himself naturally being pulled to look at her mm-hmm. because he's a straight guy. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: and, and he says, oh, there's the evidence that I'm lustful. Well, no, you know, she's attractive. You know, so you're attracted to her. That's what attractive means, right? <laughs> so it doesn't mean you're lusting. If you then go, hey, I have the right to take her image, like to look at her and think of her and picture her how I want to picture her, that's lust. Mm-hmm. That to me is the difference.
0: And women do this too. Like everyone says women aren't visual, but a lot of women aren't visual. A mm-hmm. lot of women do struggle with lust. And again, it is a struggle that you can get over. And that's the message yeah. that we really want to hear. Yeah. You know, people think that I'm so against men and, and I get yelled at so much because I take on every man's battle, but. I think this is a very pro male message because what I want to say to men is hey, most of you do not lust. You don't need to be burdened by this. You don't need to be so hard on yourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, our Christian men are really hard on themselves. If 75% of guys think they struggle with lust, when, you know, 35% of those guys, don't actually have any measure of lusting at all, then that means that our guys' consciences are really super... are working over on overdrive. Yeah. So because we, have,
1: because we feel attracted to women.
0: Right. But this means we have good guys who are honestly trying to win the fight, which is wonderful. But I just want you guys to know that, that you don't need to be so burdened by this mm-hmm. if, if you're honestly not lusting. If you are lusting, then yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to defeat But that. also we can get help. And the thing mm-hmm. is, with if you have a habit that is harmful to you the way to solve that habit is to replace it with something else mm-hmm. like you don't just say i'm not going to do that anymore mm-hmm. you need to do something else like even with smoking like people will chew gum or they'll do other things because it, you know they replace it with something right mm-hmm. so in the same thing with lust the only message we're getting in the christian world is don't lust anymore so like avert your eyes that kind mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. you need to replace that and the replacement is respect it's it's not denying your eyes the chance to lock with a woman. Mm -hmm. It's saying, I'm going to train my brain to see that woman differently. I'm going to see her Mm -hmm. in a way that's respectful, Mm -hmm. that recognizes that she is an image bearer of God, Mm -hmm. and that I'm going to treat her that way. That's what we need to replace it with, not the, I'm going to make sure I don't look at Mm -hmm. her, because that's also objectifying, um, yeah, and we're going
0: gonna to get to that oh, later. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I'm jumping ahead. Yes, you are taking so, Becca's and my point. So okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> but the point I'm trying to say is, is that you got to replace it. And what you need to replace it with is respect and and love and care and being Christlike.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So I have a story for you. I want to tell our listeners a story of something that happened to us a couple of years ago. So I was given.
1: Okay, I wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, that's so. okay.
0: It's fine. You look okay. good. You look good in this story. Oh, good. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> so I was given a book a few years ago um, called Through a Man's Eyes, and I know that we've been we've been picking on Shanti Feldon a lot in this podcast and this week when we looked at the survey question that she used in for young women only that that was highly problematic because it really implied that boys couldn't stop and would date rape. We're not going to be dealing with Shanti Felden's books in the next few weeks. so I know it looks like we're picking on her, but it's just the first two big teachings that we're deconstructing in our great sex rescue series happen to be the ones that she talked about the most. So the, the boys will push your sexual boundaries and the all men lust question of things that she dealt with. But she starts this, this book and she co-wrote it with Craig Gross, who I believe is a former sex addict and a self-avowed one. And Every Man's Battle was also written by men who were former sex addicts and I think that has probably colored a lot of our lust discussion in that the books that in the evangelical world that talk about lust were written by men who had sex addictions yeah. perhaps that wasn't the smartest thing to do to to have to, you know yeah. people who have done that <laughs> taught, write books to every man but the book opens with the story of a guy named Jack and I read this chapter and it's all about Jack's day and how all day He is bombarded by women and he has to fight so hard not to lust. So for instance, as usual in that nanosecond he has two powerful forces wrestling within him. He feels a tightening in his gut and a temptation to consume that pleasurable image for as long as he can before his co-worker Abby sees him. But he also wants to honor his wife and God and his thought life and to respect Abby as a person and colleague. Jack wrenches his head away. Knowing Abby is about to walk directly past his cubicle, he turns his chair so his back faces the door. So he's feeling all of these terrible things and he's turning his chair away so that he doesn't see... Abby, because she's so difficult. Now, the only problem is that he has to fight several attempts made by other images of Abby, other outfits, other glimpses to intrude the screen of his mind. Each time another unbidden image appears, he resolutely refocuses on the numbers that he's doing for work. And then it goes on and on about each billboard, the smoldering eyes of the 15 foot high seductive woman try to draw his gaze when he goes into the hotel for a meeting, he says he feels that desire to look. Because he's, he's behind the girls, he could look with impunity and feel the pleasure of consuming all those exhilarating images. At 11.15, it says that he breathes a sigh of relief when the, a woman's top isn't showing anything. Thank goodness, because he was worried about it, about her, the way she buttons her top. At 1 o'clock, back at the downtown office, the next few hours are tough. And it just portrays this day as he is supremely stressed. Every single encounter he has throughout the day, he is thinking about it beforehand about whether or not an attractive woman is gonna be there and how is he gonna stop consuming these images of these attractive women. And then he gets home and he's just so relieved to see his wife so that now, you know, he won't be bitten by this, but then his wife blows him off or whatever. And this is terrible because she doesn't understand all the supreme stress he's been under all day. And I read this and I thought, is Keith really that stressed all day? So I asked you, (laughs) I said, "Hun, you know, when you go to work, like, are you really stressed all day by, by the images of all the women that you see? And do you remember what you did?
1: I I don't exactly. What did I say?
0: You laughed. You laughed at me. And I, and then I got offended because I'm like, no, I'm serious. And then you laughed at me again.
1: (laughs) I probably probably thought you were joking.
0: Yeah. And the problem is that the book and, and for women only and other books like that, they tell women, your husband won't admit this to you. Oh yeah. So he'll tell you he doesn't do this and he won't admit this to you. And so I was thinking, well, is, are you just not telling me?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just tough. You know? And,
0: and so we had this, so I said, no, I really want to know, do you struggle with this? Like, is this difficult for you? And you're like, no, it's really not. <laughs> like what you said to me was you couldn't imagine living life with that kind of stress needlessly. Like, that's just ridiculous. Mm, yeah. And yet you work in an all-female environment. Do you want to yeah. just tell people? Like... Well,
1: I'm a physician. I'm a doctor, right? And so... you're not
0: just any doctor. You're a pediatrician. Oh, yeah. I'm just... a
1: pediatrician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you know, there's a lot of women in medicine um, mm-hmm. and more and more, you know, medical schools, most, most of them graduates are female now. And in pediatrics, it's even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, nursing is still a female-dominated profession, right? And so I'm around women constantly all day long.
0: And right? when, the, when patients come in, it's the mothers who... Yeah, it's usually the moms them. that come yeah. in too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's good so, so you're around moms all the time.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I couldn't imagine if I was actually having to mm-hmm. fight f- to not lust after every single woman I saw all day long. I mean, that would be a terrible, terrible thing to bear.
0: Yeah, that's an awful burden to mm-hmm. bear. And yet a lot of guys are taught that this is what... They're supposed to think. Yeah, and
1: I worry that a lot of guys are sort of primed to think that way. Like we're putting the thought in their head, and we're 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 making them go down pathways that they wouldn't naturally have gone down if we mm-hmm. didn't say that was the expectation, right? Even just saying every man struggles with this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's challenging. That's that's yeah. not help not a helpful message. And
0: I don't know how to say this without saying TMI. Okay, so oh
1: please don't say TMI, but oh I am I'm going <laughs> to oh say God.
0: TMI, and 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 I apologize. Okay, but. How do I say this in, in a nice way knowing that my youngest daughter is going to edit this video I mean, and my old... just don't say it. No, I just, I just think I just think you said, it. it's not like you don't it's it's not like your sex drive is on the lower end.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Like maybe.
0: like yes, I mean I'm
1: Oh, yeah, I'm very I'm very much a heterosexual male. I'm I very much
0: yes it's not that i
1: don't notice when women are attractive i do notice if women are attractive i think that that's what yeah i think men do that that's normal Mm -hmm. but i I think there's a difference between noticing a woman's attractive and lusting after her i mean Mm -hmm. there's a very big difference
0: and you know it's interesting rebecca uh had our, our grandson alex has a milk allergy and she was referred by her doctor to an allergy specialist <laughs> in a hospital center near us. And the woman that she was going to go see, this allergy, was actually someone yeah, that you she, trained. Yeah. So she was she's a resident who yeah. trained under you. Yeah. And so you said to Becca before she left, oh, say hi to... Yeah.
1: Well, I said, tell, tell her that I'm really glad that she's seeing him. Because I want her to feel... Because yeah. you know, she's, a, she's a great doctor. And yeah, she's
0: really good. and so Rebecca went in and and talked to her and said that she was your daughter, and and she, this doctor was very excited about that. And the one thing that she remembers about you, especially, was how great she felt the very first day when you took her out to Dairy Queen for lunch. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's yeah, really, and I said to her, I said, I know we're doctors, but like, what do you think about Dairy Queen for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So you took a a young woman. To a restaurant and you ate lunch with her. Yeah,
1: I'd forgotten my lunch and I just... And I thought, well, I'll treat and it'll be yeah. yeah.
0: And you know what? I am not bothered by that, okay? I yeah. am your wife and I am not bothered by that. Because when you take these young women out to lunch, what you do is you mentor them and yeah. you encourage them and you teach them. Yeah. You, like you do a lot Absolutely. of teaching. That's what the residents talk about about you is how much extra teaching they get when they're with you. And they really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> and It also tires them out sometimes, I think. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> but, enthusiastic about it. but Yeah, yeah
0: but like... That's a good thing. And you were a Dairy Queen. <laughs> Nothing was going to happen. You yeah. know, you were a yeah. Dairy Queen. And they felt very respected. Oh, yeah. And you respected them. And it just wasn't a big deal.
1: Yeah.
0: So we have a reader question that I want to deal with. Okay.
1: So is this about the never be alone with woman kind of yes. idea? Yeah, I figured it must be going that way, given what you were just saying there. Was mm-hmm. I wasn't sure where that was coming from. so
0: It's actually not exactly a question. It's a comment that came in, but I thought it was a great one and I thought that we could expand on it. Okay, so a woman says, I dated a conservative Christian guy who got upset that I would go to our work happy hours and be the only woman, even though there was zero inappropriate things happening and I don't drink. He also believed I should never be alone with a male coworker, even though I co-taught one of our classes with an older male department chair. How are we supposed to work on curriculum if we could never be alone? Navigating what made my boyfriend feel comfortable in my work environment was absolutely insane. I finally told him, this is my job. Get comfortable or we can't be together. I have never felt uncomfortable with any of these men. The fact that you do is your own issue. We ultimately ended things, and my now husband has zero concerns about any of this. Those rules are so objectifying in their own way, as if men and women can't just be co-workers and friends, but must have some kind of sexual tension between them. I understand the desire to avoid temptation, but treating women like they are constant temptation seriously limits their ability to work and grow in their work.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it's very individual. If, If this is something that is a struggle for you, Mm-hmm. then setting boundaries for yourself is appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are things that I don't do, not because I'm afraid I'm going to stray from you, but because I respect you, I set guardrails in my life that I don't go down situations that are mm-hmm. likely to put me in harm's way or mm-hmm. put our relationship in harm's way. It's it's appropriate to be wise in the way you deal with the opposite sex. That's for sure. But these rigid rules, which are like, you must never ever do this, or you must mm-hmm. never do that. I, I don't think that that's the right answer. And I, and I think it can often lead to hurtful feelings that this woman was talking about.
0: And I think one of the other issues is that we do tend to over-sexualize male-female relationships. Like One thing that really strikes me when you read Romans 16, and that's the last chapter of the book of Romans Where Paul is basically just saying, okay, say hi to him and hi to him and hi to her and hi to her and just mentioning every person he could possibly think of and saying, hey, I'm thinking of you, say hi to them. And he mentions 29 people and of those 29, 10 are women. And each of the women that he mentions, he mentions in terms of their work in ministry with him. Yeah. So not just a friendship, but he he referenced like a deacon, um, someone who labored hard for, with me, someone People who like was well known among own. the apostles, like all, all these sorts of things. And so here in the early church, which was a highly patriarchal and a highly sexualized culture, men and women worked side by side as co-workers. And that was the expectation. And Paul said, greet one another with a holy kiss. And he yeah. was talking to a co-ed crowd. Okay, now I'm not saying that we should all go around greeting each other with a holy kiss. In France, that's probably a good idea because that's what they do. Like here, you know, <laughs> we may not. But the point is that it was not hypersexualized then yeah. and we have made it hypersexualized when it doesn't need to be. And I think we would get a lot further ahead if we could understand that men and women can be just friends and can be brothers and sisters in Christ. Exactly. And it doesn't need to be a threatening thing. Now, if you're with a guy and you're you're or a woman as a coworker and you start to feel an emotional attraction and you're sh- oversharing it's a good idea to step back from that relationship Certainly. but
1: guardrails, like guardrails guardrails yeah. but
0: honestly it just doesn't usually happen I've, I've worked in so many secular environments and this is just the norm that you can converse with the opposite sex and treat them with respect and it's not a big deal mm-hmm. i hope that we can we can get to that point get past
1: this mm-hmm. not think of the opposite sex purely in sexual terms
3: mm-hmm.
0: All right. I brought my daughter, Rebecca, on the podcast. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. So we have been looking at how the every man's battle message hurts guys Mm -hmm. and how it's kind of needless and it over-sexualizes relationships between men and women too. Yes. So now what I want to talk about is to help men understand how it feels when people take the every man's battle advice and do the whole bounce your eyes thing. Yeah. Needlessly. And here's the issue. (laughs) when you read through a man's eyes about how you know he's always turning away from co-workers and is trying not to look at co-workers and we get this message from every man's value you need to bounce your eyes cuz women are the problem what often ends up happening when guys internalize all these messages is that Men then stop interacting with women.
3: <laughs> yeah, or else whenever they do, it's awkward and a very um, high-intensity emotional kind of experience.
0: And I gotta say, as a woman, if I was in an office and a man deliberately turned his chair away from me so that he didn't see me, yeah, that would not feel honorable. No. And I think what's happening is that a lot of men are taking the advice from these books, thinking that by doing this, they are being honorable. Mm -hmm. And actually the end result is that women are feeling very objectified and dehumanized. Yes, I think so too. We want to read to you what one woman wrote in a Twitter thread last year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Lauren Chastain, we read this and we saved it because we thought it was such a good thread. And I am just going to read this to you. I will put the link in the podcast description that goes along with this podcast. But here we go. She wrote, If you don't understand the damage the Billy Graham rule has done to women, consider this threat. I sat in a church hallway five months ago, knowing that after calling that church, my home for 25 years, it would be my last time sitting in that hallway for a very long time. As I sat there trying to process how this could be true, how we had gotten to that point, how I was going to get in my car and drive away, four different men walked by at different times. They had volunteer badges. It was likely that at least one was an official greeter. The first man walked by and even though, or maybe especially because we were the only two people in the hallway, he made no eye contact with me. There's no way he didn't see me. I was shocked, but not really. I rolled my eyes and thought, of course, he's fleeing temptation. I'm temptation. I wanted to tell this man 20 years my senior, as if, buddy. (laughs) The next man walked by and I sat there wondering if he would do the same thing. He did. I laughed this is an actual joke. Now I was officially conducting a science experiment and I waited for my next subject. Man number three. I think this man actually tilted his head the other direction. Now I wasn't laughing. I was pissed. I am created in the image of God, the imago dei. I am not temptation. These men have been taught to view me as dangerous, the enemy, a potential mistake. Fourth man walks by. Also, thirty years my senior. He stopped, talked to me, and gave me his phone number because he knew of our painful departure. He gave me back my humanity. He treated me like a sister in Christ—an actual command in the Bible, not like a harlot. Plot twist: We didn't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I did a poll on Twitter this this uh, this weekend, and I asked how many women, if you've ever been in a church situation. Where men have refused to look at you, have turned away from you. You've been standing with your husband and they talk to your husband, but won't look at you and won't talk to you. You know, how often does this happen? And about 70% of women say that that's happened to them Yeah, in a church situation. And I had a, a lot of posts on this on Facebook over the weekend because I was exploring it, getting ready for this podcast about how men often handle lust and I had story after story by women saying I would stand there beside my husband and the worship director would come up who needed to talk to me about the final song in next week's worship set and he would direct his conversation to my husband he would say can you ask Kate what she wants to play and I'm like I'm standing right here yeah (laughs) but he can't talk to Kate because Kate is a woman
3: yeah this is not honoring women it's really not the problem with lust is that you're using someone as an object for your own pleasure. You're viewing someone as an object. You're objectifying them, right? Mm-hmm. You're objectifying them and using them for your own sexual pleasure. Right. But when we tell men to do this bouncing your eyes, Billy Graham rule, those kinds of things where you're not allowed to interact or look at women in case you lust after them, you're still objectifying them. You're not just not enjoying it anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so there's
3: still something bad <laughs> happening. It's just that you feel like you're more holy because you haven't engaged with it. You're still doing it. You're just not engaging with it. Mm -hmm. Because lust, you're engaging with your objectification. Mm -hmm. By the whole bouncing your eyes, turning the chair away, not being able to talk to women, not being able to be alone with women because you see them all as potential threats or potential objects of lust, potential objects of sexual temptation. Mm -hmm. You're objectifying them, but you're not personally participating in your own objectification. Mm -hmm. And so they're still objectified. The only difference is your experience of the objectification.
0: Yeah. So you don't get to have fun, (laughs) but you're still doing it because objectification, all that means is that you see her as a sexual object, someone to use rather than somebody who was made in the image of Christ. Yeah.
3: And you might think when you're doing this that you're, well, no, I'm not looking at her because I see her as a daughter of Christ, Mm -hmm. because I see her worth. Well, you might think about her worth, but you're treating her like she has none. You're treating her like she's an object. You're treating her in a way that is different than what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because someone who has value and worth and who's um, deserving of your respect and dear honor is not someone who you're not able to look at. Those are people who you are able to interact with and who you treat with dignity and respect. You are not treating Mm -hmm. someone with dignity or respect if you ignore them. Imagine if you were in a workplace situation and your boss never talked to you, never emailed you one-on-one, always made sure to have someone else in the room with you, and any time that you came into a room, became physically uncomfortable and turned their head away from you. Would you feel safe around that boss? Would you feel respected? Would you feel like, yeah, I might get a promotion? Mm -hmm. Or are you thinking, well, they're probably going to get that promotion to my coworker who they're able to be alone in a room with? who they're able to talk to without getting flustered.
0: We had one comment from a woman who said that she was working at a construction company and the boss actually had a bunch of workers erect a wall between his desk and hers so that she would not be a stumbling block for him. Yeah. And it was just, it was really creepy because he was 40 years older than her and he eventually dismissed her because she was just too much of a stumbling block. And it's like, buddy,
3: Like, I'm not interested. Yeah, exactly. And that's (laughs) that's exactly... The problem is that we tend to see men's response to lust as one of two things. If you're turned on by a woman, if you find her attractive, Mm -hmm. right? Like, maybe turned on is too strong of a word because usually people aren't really. They're just like, oh, she's hot. I might become sexually attracted or whatever. If you are attracted to a woman, the option isn't to either be staring at her breasts or not looking at her, Mm -hmm. there is another option. Mm -hmm. It's called talking to her and not looking at her boobs. (laughs) Um, And you know, it's very possible. Mm -hmm. You know how we know that? A lot of people go on dates and have conversations. Mm -hmm. And if you're going on a date and having a conversation with a woman who you're definitely sexually attracted to and you're able to remember what she said and uh pay attention and engage in conversation then there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that with an attractive woman in the workplace or at your church yeah um who you're not actually attracted to now the pushback we'll
0: get is some guys will say well bounce your eyes doesn't mean that i don't look at her it just means that i don't look at her boobs it means that i bounce Mm -hmm. my eyes from the boobs to the face and if that's all you're doing like that's, that's fine. fine. Yes,
3: please don't stare at women's breasts.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and But the big thing here is that we just want guys to know that when you ignore women yep. because you feel like you want to honor them, <laughs> that mm-hmm. actually isn't honorable. No. And it doesn't feel honorable to the woman no, she's going to feel very dismissed. And it's really awkward. Like I've been in these situations where yeah, men just won't look at me or turn away from me. Or if we happen to be alone in a church, and this has happened a lot, you know, setting up for praise team practice or whatever. And they feel like, oh, now I'm in trouble. You know, because we might get caught. Like, we're not going to get caught, buddy. I'm not doing anything with you. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. And
3: that's, that's it. Is when we, when we talk about these issues like lust and sex from an every man's battle perspective. When every woman is an area that's potential temptation, that's because you're seeing every woman as for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
3: Like, I might lust after her. What if someone thinks that we had sex? You mm-hmm. know what, buddy? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. For the majority of people who are concerned about having sex with the attractive young co-worker in the office, like, well, what if people spread rumors? No one's going to spread rumors for the <laughs> vast majority of people, okay? The majority of people will understand that in most situations, it's like, yeah, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. That might sound harsh, but... The number of times that this has been an issue with men who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, with women who are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Most people, even if a rumor was started, would laugh and say, in your dreams, buddy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just how it is. There's no reason to be afraid of this if you're not going to do anything wrong. Because most people understand that the majority of people don't have sex in the seven minutes they were left alone in the church basement. Yeah. But, but more than that, what I wanted to say was seeing women all as potentials for you Mm -hmm. comes from this entitlement complex around sex where sex is for men and it's something that women give. And so when you're around an attractive woman, wow, there's a potential for her to give a lot to you. You know, she might give you lustful thoughts. She Mm -hmm. might give you temptation and she might even give you sex. Mm -hmm. But if instead you're looking at this woman and thinking, not for me, she's not for me. Mm -hmm. You know, women are not for me. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a woman and she is for you. Because she's given herself to you, you know, and vice versa with women to men, you know, you can Mm -hmm. look at them and say, not for me Mm -hmm. and move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the skill that men are not given when they're given the every man's battle, the through a man's eyes message because they're taught every woman is a threat, which means every woman in some universe is for you. Mm-hmm.
0: And what's really interesting about that is it sees the woman as the threat, yeah. when in general, in our society,
3: it's, it's the guy that's the threat to the woman. She's the one who's in danger. Yeah, well, even just with this idea of, you know, bouncing your eyes, the woman's the threat to me because I might lust after her or I might assault her with my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like that? No, no, you don't say a bank is a threat to a robber because it might have money. Yeah. No, the robber is the threat to the bank. Yes. Um, so we need to <laughs> stop talking about women as if they're potential sources for temptation mm-hmm. or that they're, they might trigger lustful thoughts because it puts women in the position of being the one in the wrong. And so it feels like as long as you flee from temptation, but the temptation doesn't come from a woman existing. The no. temptation comes because the man's brain has learned to treat women like objects. The dangerous portion here is not the woman's body. The dangerous part of this, when a man can't look at a woman without lusting, is the man. Mm -hmm. It's because he has not learned how to look at women like they are whole people. Mm -hmm. And he has seen all women as for him. You know, he's not able to look and say, beautiful, not for me, and move on.
0: Yep, And again, a lot of that, as we talked about earlier, that 35% of guys who don't actually struggle with lust, but think they do, yeah, <laughs> then they're often the ones who are trying to do all these honorable things because they've read that this is what they're supposed to do. And we all would be a lot better off if we just learned how to respect one another. Yeah. So what about the guy who honestly is lusting? Yes. Okay. So he is lusting. He's not part of that 35%. He's actually part of like that 10 to 12% that we measured who would lust after the waitress or the mom getting the kid out of the car or all those other stats we told you about, you know, so he is like that. And he's saying, yeah, but I honestly can't look at her. Mm -hmm. I have to ignore her. I have to turn away from her because I have this sex addiction that I'm trying to get over. Even then (laughs) it's not okay to put the cost of
3: your sin on her yes exactly and the problem is what people say is well I'm not putting the cost of my sin on her I'm just I'm not going to be alone with her I'm not going to do all these things but if you are doing those things with other people then you are putting the cost of your sin okay
0: so what you're taught so here's what we're talking about let's lay this all down so he's struggling with lust He says, I can't be with a woman. I can't look at a woman. I honestly have to just get rid of women Mm -hmm. for a few weeks, a month, however long it is. I'm in sex addiction treatment. I'm getting my whole head on straight. And, but because of that, I can't look at a woman or I will lust. And so While I'm doing this, I can't look at a woman. Well, the problem is when you deliberately ignore a woman, when you turn away from a woman, when you can't look her in the face because you're going to lust, and so you have to look at the ceiling or look at the floor or look anywhere but at her, she
3: feels in danger. She does, yeah. It actually is incredibly, incredibly unsettling as a woman when a man does that because what you have done is you have told her, in my mind, you are only an object. And so if you see me as just an object, what are you willing to do to an object? I am Mm -hmm. not safe with someone who doesn't see me as a whole person. Mm -hmm. So if you're not able to interact with women without making them objectified, because again, if you're not able to look at a woman or have a conversation with her without objectifying her, Mm -hmm. um, or if you have to turn away from her and, and ignore her in order for you to feel like you're not going to lust after her, you have objectified her. If you're not able to be around women without objectifying them, then In essence, you need to not be around people until you're able to be around women. Because if Mm -hmm. you're able to be around men, but not around women, then you're just creating that divide and making it even bigger. Mm -hmm. And you're telling all women, you are inferior in some way to all of these men around me. I'm going to have a work meeting with the male head of this company, or I'm going to have a work meeting or a work call with my male coworker, but I'm not going to interact with you. I'm not going to be able to have a meeting with you. Or in church, I'm going to talk to your husband. I'm going to talk to the male pastor. I'm going to talk to my guy friends in church. But anytime you come near me, my sister in Christ, my person I'm supposed to be in community and fellowship with, I'm going to completely ignore you and I'm going to brush you off. And not only that, I'm going to treat you like you are the plague. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to treat you like you're the problem. And I'm going to put my sin and my burden upon your shoulders because I'm not putting it on the men's shoulders. I'm only putting it on yours. There's a principle in the Bible that you reap what you sow. Yes.
0: God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows.
3: Yes. And so we are
0: supposed to reap what we sow. Thankfully, Jesus reaps the price for our sin. And that's wonderful. That's part of our story as Christians. But in general, we reap what we sow. And so if a man
2: Mm -hmm. is
3: sowing lust... The woman should not reap the the harvest of that. Yeah. And and remember lust does include turning away and bouncing your eyes because you're objectifying people objectifying and seeing them as a sexual temptation. So
0: if you are sowing objectification she should not be the one who is reaping that yes if you have to go through a couple of weeks of therapy whatever it might be to reset your brain and in that you've got to take two weeks of vacation time and just be a hermit at home and only talk to your therapist or whatever it might be you know do what you have to do but don't make women pay the price for your addictions Yep.
3: and it also might mean that you are Why? So, you know, there might be some people who honestly, you're just not going to go to the rock climbing gym because girls Mm -hmm. tend to hang out in very few clothing. Yeah. You know, you just might not join some dance classes, you know, but that's not what every man's battle is talking about. They're not even talking about the areas where if you do struggle with lust, you know, the same way that the majority of people could probably go to a pub and just get some fries and have a good time watching the game. Someone who does have an alcohol addiction probably shouldn't go to a pub. Nothing wrong with going to a pub. Just not good for you. Yep. Same thing. There might be some areas where it honestly just isn't a good idea. But every man's battle is talking to people in work situations. Yeah. And through a man's if eyes in a lot of these books. Yeah. If you can't talk to Sarah who's in a pantsuit at
0: mm-hmm.
3: your work because a teensy bit of cleavage is poking at the top. Mm-hmm. If you can't talk to the women in your church who I'm pretty sure are showing up in normal attire, whether or not you think it's modest enough, mm-hmm. but normal attire. hmm That is not the same thing as avoiding areas of obvious temptation. That's just avoiding people. (laughs) And that's not healthy because that's treating normal people like they're the problem for your lust and it's putting the burden of your lust onto others. And that's what we shouldn't do.
0: Again, we really think
3: that most of this problem could be
0: solved if we taught boys from the very beginning that not all men lust, that yeah. sexual attraction is not the same exactly. as lust, <laughs> that it is okay to notice that a woman is beautiful. That's mm-hmm. just normal. You just simply remember, not for me. <laughs> and move and, on. And move on. And that's what most guys do. And they have wonderful relationships, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are fellow co-workers mm-hmm. in Christ. And believe me, If I knew you on a personal basis, all you guys who are listening, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. But I would not be thinking of having sex with you because I have a very happy marriage. (laughs) And that's what most women are doing, you know, like it's not sexual. We just are talking and it doesn't need to be more than that. And if the early church can do it, I need to believe that we can do it too. And the way we get to that is by stop over-sexualizing, stop objectifying each other, stop seeing women. We need to stop seeing other women as just waiting to steal our husbands and as threat to our husband's purity. And men, we need to stop thinking that women are threats to our purity. Purity and realize that it's all in our hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's just get back to treating people as whole people made in the image of God and not just as body parts. And that is the way through lust. It is not bouncing your eyes, it is treating people with respect. Yeah. Because <laughs> respect is the missing piece. So, you know, I actually think that's good news. I know we were kind of hard on men at the end there, but I actually think that's good news mm-hmm. because most guys don't struggle with lust.
3: It really it really does not need to be that big of an issue. And I do want to say that, you know, we've talked a lot about experiences that people have had in church. I have had some of those experiences in churches, mm-hmm. but I've also been a part of a church where I didn't have that experience once. And I had a lot of friends of guys of all different ages, you know, some 40 years older than me, some <laughs> like five years younger than me, right? Like I, I had community with all sorts of people and it was an honest to goodness, safe place where I was not objectified, you know, even if I was breastfeeding my son, <laughs> you know, and I, and that's just what I want to encourage you is if you're a man listening and you feel that but this is what every guy I know struggles with, this is how everyone talks about it, find a different community that doesn't talk about it this way. Yeah. No. Find a different community that does not talk about it this way. And you might have to look outside of your denomination. Yes. And that might sound scary, but if the people who are acting like Jesus when it comes to other the other sex are not found in your denomination, then leave. And to the women, if you're in an area where your boys and your husbands and your guy friends and the the men are being told they will all do this and they're praised for treating you like a lesser citizen because you're seen as a potential source of sexual objectification and temptation, leave. Find a better place that honors you and honors your place as a daughter of Christ. Find a community that is based in honor, respect, and dignity because it is, it is not honoring, it is not respectful, and it is not dignifying to be treated like a potential source of temptation mm-hmm. or just, you know, some piece of meat who's just trying to get some man's attention, especially mm-hmm. when your only crime was simply being a woman. <laughs> Lust is not every man's battle. Nope. All men do
0: not struggle with lust. Nope. Some women do struggle with lust. Yep. And some men do struggle with lust. Yep. But it is a battle that we can win because God is greater. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I think this is good news. There is so much good news in The Great Sex Rescue. A lot of it is like, oh man, it's depressing because when you see how much this has affected women's sex lives and how much the lust message has hurt our orgasm rate. Seriously, if you've never orgasmed and you're trying to figure out why, you need to buy The Great Sex Rescue because it will probably tell you why, how these books all messed you up. But the good news is we can get beyond this. We are having these conversations and that means that the next generation is not going to struggle like this and we are going to get over this together. And so I I encourage you pick up the great sex rescue you can pre-order it now send in your email with that receipt and we will get you your amazing pre-order bonuses including our rubric and our scorecard which are really fun and join us next week as we demolish the next teaching that we cover in the great sex rescue thanks so much and to hear more about the lust message
2: follow me all week at tolovehonorandvacuum.com